Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I am Steve Norman. This week I am joined by a fantastic trio of podcasting people. That is Owen Hughes. Wow, that is uh, you never normally give us such nice introductions. Oh, I, I, I slipped that as well. I wasn't even written down or anything. Wow. But now you've, now you've ruined the flow of it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so in cues. Mm-hmm. Callum Petch. Decidedly not fantastic. And, <laughs> and, just don't, just don't want to get in problem with false advertising here is all. <laughs> and Andrew Brooker. Good evening, guys. Um, so, yes, we're going to take a look at the last week or so in film, including uh, new release reviews of The Nice Guys and Warcraft and a few others as well. Let's start off with the quiz where Owen is promised me it's going to be better than last week. I promised it's better than last week, but it comes with the caveat that if it if it goes wrong, it's not my fault. It's and, you guys, and all of you combined. It's 2-1 to Owen currently with Owen hosting and me against Callum and Brooker. It is. Yeah, so um, the Hold way on. that... we get to take credit if it goes well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, if it goes no, no well, sure. Knock yourselves out. All right, um, fucking hell. I have decided this week the quiz is going to work slightly different because it seems to be a bit stale again where we just have the quiz at the beginning of the podcast and, you know, answer a few questions and then we move on after five or six minutes. This time... I mean, how all other quizzes work. In, uh, yeah, this time I'm giving you... Some anagrams. Right. Uh, I, I, yes, cause, because nothing works better in terms of stability than changing things up without right. anybody else knowing. Right, you, but, could have, you could have told me before we started, because I need a pen and paper. Well, you, you can use your computer screen or your phone. I'm going to... Yeah, that's boring, Owen. Come on, now I've, now I've actually got to stop from... <laughs> now I've got to run and get a pen. Hang on. You don't see on bloody countdown, do you? But the, you, rich, it, the new Vorderman woman going, oh, go and get a, go and get your PVA, <laughs> go and get your Palm Pilot, and do, no, it's pen and paper. So part one of it being your fault is just that answer there. What right, no? Right there. Oh, so the, oh, using the Palm Pilot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. <laughs> I'm, I'm fully prepared, mate. I've got everything you I need. Last chance too, did you? <laughs> so what's going to happen is I'm giving you the anagrams, right? Yeah. On the podcast, I'm going to. Read them out, obviously, for the benefit of people listening. But I'm going to send you all the anagrams. There are ten of them. And at the end of the podcast, you're going to send me an email back with what you think the answers are. And then I will read them out 
at the end of the podcast to determine who's going to win. Are you trying to tell me that we're supposed to juggle high-minded criticism whilst also working on anagram puzzles at the exact same time? Indeed. You are. I'm not. <laughs> yep. Which bit was that, Brooker? I mean, I'm not going to question. I ain't doing high-minded anything. <laughs> I-, I can't help but feel like you have not thought this through, Owen. I, I definitely, definitely did. So here, right, I'm going to say... definitely thought about the bit that it's our fault if it goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm pinging the uh, 10 anagrams across to you guys now. And like I say, for the benefit of people listening, number one is teardrop. Number two is anal hole whipped. Number three is usable cyst tooth. Number four is screw sue roll. Number five is inches your tug. Six is gas ring only. Seven is gaming beat. <coughs> Eight is a sank belch. And nine is R Kiddy TV. And ten is iron. So there you go. There's your ten sent across through Skype. Write them down, make a note, and at the end of the pod, we'll sort out who guessed what. So like, are on, these... what, what are they meant to be? Are they meant to yeah. be actors, actresses, films? Well, I was good. if you were struggling, I was going to give you a clue, but I can give you it straight away if you want. Do you want to have a go first and see if you figure out the theme? Uh, no, I feel like it's easier for everybody if you just tell us now, quite frankly. <laughs> Fair enough. It's to do with our main release. So, nice guys. <laughs> All right. Well, it could be Warcraft. Well, there nice. are no... Well, it's the nice guys. Well, Warcraft <laughs> kind of feel like, an, like a weeping anal hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, much, much like Universal himself here, Owen is not giving a shit about Warcraft. Yeah. Uh, precisely. I saw it. It bored me to fucking tears. Um, hey, 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 save it for the appropriate section of a podcast here, Owen. Okay, I will hold back. I didn't spend 30 seconds writing out that agenda for nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. So there you go. Your anagrams, 10 of them. Figure them out and we'll come back to it at the end of the, the show. Right. You do realise it's made part one really short. Uh, yep, yeah, that's fine. And, and it feels unnatural for me to be moving on to part two at this stage. It's okay. Just go with the flow, Steve. Go with the flow. Are the, anagra- are the anagrams like the same letters in each word here, or is it just no. you? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm fucking awful at anagrams here, Owen, so... Yeah, but ten, ten should be easy to get. What, t- ten entire anagrams? No, ten is number <laughs> ten. The tenth one. Yes, well, obvi- obviously I've got that one. I mean, beyond that, I, I'm crap at anagrams. Yeah. Yeah. So just to, you know, you can either take it seriously, can't you? If you want to win. I'm meant to be hosting a podcast, not doing fucking countdown. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Brooke, Brooke has gone awfully quiet. I think he's trying to work them all out. I'm working. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this is the bit you didn't think about. I'm not going to ignore the lot of you while I try and do your anagrams. Yeah, exactly. Exa- same here as well, because I can't fucking multitask, Owen. Right, right, I'm doing all the high-minded stuff then. <laughs> it's all on Steve. Yeah. Mm. Uh, two down, eight to go. Come on. Nice. Look, come on, look, the one podcast I spoke on was really good. That's true. So. And you're doing a lot of the talking already. You were in such a good mood, Steve, to start. It was so buoyant. Yeah, no, and you would have ruined it, Owen. I know. I'm, I'm not at <laughs> school anymore. I've got Star Spell to hand. I'm the only one who remembers Star Spell, am I? I have no idea what Star Spell no, is. No, no calculator-looking things with quite a keyboard on it. No. Then no. 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 <laughs> Callum's gonna... too young for Star Spell. Owen's my age, so I'm surprised Owen doesn't remember. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure how old Brooker is. I'm older than you. That's all that counts. 
<laughs> what was Star Spell then? Don't need Vazanga. It was like a. It was like a on whatever computers that were around in schools in the early nineties, and it was just like a spelling thing, like, yeah. a, like a, a kind of like a game, but you had to spell. Mm. I don't remember that one. We had the one where you had to type in the path for the turtle to follow. You had to put in the commands, you know, up three, right three, up left, whatever. No, I don't remember that one. No. 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 Anyway, should we should we move on to, to the next uh, stop boring list? Good old times, do you? Yeah. yeah. Simpler times. Mm. Part two of the podcast now is what we've been watching, where we take a look at some stuff we've seen that's not essentially a new release. Um, Owen, why don't you begin us with that? Okay, so uh, when you sent the agenda around, I said that I was going to review uh, Foxy Brown, the Pam Greer black exploitation film from the seventies, which has just been like recently added to Netflix, and which is pretty good. But actually, I uh, thought instead, because it's more fitting for the nice guys, I thought instead I would review They Live, the nineteen eighty eight John Carpenter film. Because I also watched that this week. Uh, it stars Roddy Piper and it stars Keith David, who is, of course, in The Nice Guys. Um, uh, just as a sort of general gauge of what your guys' opinions of it, have you guys seen it and do you all like They Live? Yes and yes. Mm-hmm. No and no. No, no, okay. Well, I don't know why it's no and no. Cause I... Surely it should be no and <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I, I think. Sorry, sorry, I'm still hung up on these fucking anagrams. <laughs> Shouldn't have distracted everyone with you, puzzle. You ruined things, the but... entire podcast by turning it into Take a Break Puzzle Hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I like arrow words more than anything. Is that right? I'm not join, very join in next week. T- join in next week, everybody. When Owen will present us all crossword puzzles. I'm not. I'm not very good at crosswords, but I'm quite good at arrow words, which makes no sense because essentially the same bloody thing. <laughs> I'm not bad at word searches, any further than that. I hate word searches because they're just fucking pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Are they any less or more pointless than like arrow words or crosswords or what? There's no, what? There's no skill in a word search. Well, it takes some kind of, uh, you know, Patience. attention to detail and, you know. No? Okay, never mind then. So, uh, they live. I, it's been so long since I watched it last that, in fact, most of it I had forgotten completely. Um, I forgot about all the stuff at the beginning, which takes an age to set up the premise of there being a local church with people who are subliminally and not so subliminally sending messages out to the people to warn them that um, they should not stay asleep, as there are messages apparently everywhere. And Roddy Piper, as this kind of drifter, stumbles upon the secret of this little church organisation and finds some sunglasses, which mean he can read these alien messages that are in advertising boards, in magazines, in TV shows, everywhere there's a bit of text. It is actually behind it something saying, stay asleep, no imagination, submit to authority, stuff like that. I remember when I did watch it as a kid, I can remember the feeling that I had of thinking this is just really cool. 
it's just a really cool idea. It's a bit Stephen King-esque, I suppose, in a way. But as a film, John Carpenter's just perfectly suited to this because it's one of these movies that's just so out there, so such a crazy idea, but executed in this way that it's not quite fitting any particular genre. It's not, a, it's not really a horror film, even though some of it looks quite horrific. It's not actually like a black comedy, even though, again, you do kind of laugh at parts of it. It's just carried by a brilliant main performance of Roddy Piper as this manly man kind of going around, chewing gum and kicking ass. And then opposite him is Keith David, the brilliant Keith David, who I just love in absolutely everything that I see him in. In fact, I thought he was great in The Nice Guys as well. We'll come on to that later. But this, did you guys ever see The Cape, the TV show The Cape? No. It's a really bad sort of sci-fi superhero TV show attempt, and they canned it before the first season even ended. Oh, that sounds like a glowing recommendation. But it was so six, much fun. Six seasons in a movie, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just so much fun, and mainly because of Keith David and that. He's just such a charismatic bloke, and it's just great to see him back in something like this, which, which is him earlier on in his career, but still kind of stealing the screen with his presence. And, of course, the big, long punch-up between the two of them in the alleyway, where he's trying to get Keith David to put on the sunglasses. And he just refuses to, to look at them. He just thinks that Roddy Piper's crazy and just goes on and on. But it's just, it's like, I guess it is kind of like watching a wrestling match in terms of it's, it's ebbs and flows. It goes up, it goes down. There are peaks where it, the action is at its highest and then it's sort of, you think it's over. And then it carries on again. There's a bit more going and then it carries on a bit more and then a bit more. It's just, it's, it's just kind of well choreographed in terms of it, it having... Such a, a long duration, but keeping your interest the whole time. And it kind of typifies the whole film, really. It's, it is it is quite long for what it is. Um, I mean, it's not a, a hugely long film. It's 90 minutes, but there are about 10 minutes worth of footage that you just think could easily have been trimmed from this, particularly the stuff at the beginning. Like I say, it gets a bit tiresome with, you know what's coming, but it just it doesn't build suspension towards it. It, it, the revelation, as it were, it's just, it's just, it's it's probably it probably was a quite a good twist, but I think most people know what it is now. I mean, it's on the fucking film poster, you know, with the sunglasses, with the weird dysmorph alien thing in the in the reflection. But yeah, I mean, overall, it's just it's just quite good fun, isn't it? It's quite good fun. It's a neat little concept and um, was well worth a, a rewatch. So sort of with such a length between between watches seeing it almost like it was for the first time again was was great i think i think i watched it when what's his face died that must have been when i watched it last just because i i happened to want to want to see the film he was in it was just and it's, it's that fight at the end isn't it? it turns up in like every like 10 greatest movie fights yeah list. yeah it's it's mm-hmm. always on there just because it hits so long and so good it's, it's, just, it's weird that it is so good, though, isn't it? Because you'd think a fight that goes on for, like, was it f- five minutes, six minutes of yeah. a 90-minute film? It's just that's quite a long time to commit to one scene of two people punching each other. But it, it just it just works. I don't know how, how, he, how John Carpenter manages to get away with it, but it just it just fits. It's suited to this film. It is a ton of fun, though. I really like that, Liv. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Brooker, what have you seen this week? 
I got really, really lucky, and I headed down to London at the weekend and finally got to see like one of my all-time favourite films at the cinema. I got to see True Romance on the big screen, which nice. was just awesome. Have you? I, I take it like everyone's seen True Romance. Mm, no, you've actually. not. You and me are going to fall out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, dude. Well, I, I mean, you have to go watch True Romance. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It's, it's scripted by Tarantino and made by Tony Scott. And it's basically a hapless comic book selling nobody falls in love with a hooker or a cool girl. And they end up kind of unwittingly on this Bonnie and Clyde thing as they, uh, he tries to get her from her pimp. And instead of running off of her clothes, runs off of a bag of drugs <laughs> and decides to try and sell it. Uh, so you know, ends up in LA trying to trying to sell drugs to a film producer. It's it's this whole it's classic Tarantino writing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, four or five different stories, all that all kind of end up in in the same place. It's, it's the billing at the front of this film is absolutely astounding. It's got some of my favourite actors in it that, at all. It's got one of my favourite scenes involves Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper and James Gandolfini all on the screen at the same time with, with Walken, not even going full Walken, <laughs> but still being really fucking scary and really funny at the same time. It is an, it's an absolute classic. I, you know, like I say, I mean, it came out in 93. So I was 11 when it came out, there was no way I was seeing it at the cinema when it came out first time. So to, uh, to skip down and see a, a nice, tidy 35 mil screening of it was was awesome but yeah it's just it's I, I got to the end of it and i was like it's a two-hour film but it doesn't feel like two hours and you know christian slater and patricia arquette as the lead uh the, the lead guys in it kind of them and their hijinks is it's so much fun to watch Slater's very cool you know patricia arquette is just awesome and it's got you know even after seven years of of uh, Sopranos, it's still got probably the, the most brutal thing James Gandolfini's ever done on screen. That he beats the living shit out of Patricia Arquette. It's just fucking horrible, but it's such a good scene. Mate, I'm gobsmacked. You haven't seen it. Yeah, that response is quite frequent uh, when I reveal that I've never seen it. I, it should be one of those films that I jump straight to. I think I've even got a director's cut on DVD. It's just um, I haven't ever gotten around to it. There's something for me to do in my week off now. Yeah, it's, I uh, think so. It's, I mean, obviously, you know, not everyone's going to like it. And I do know a lot of people really hate it. And I, I don't understand why. My missus doesn't like it. I don't understand why. I, it's, it's so is much... it a bit bloated with Tarantino-esque um, not, not really. Because actually the thing it's got, and uh, me and my mate were talking about this, because I, I went to see it with a friend, and it's got everything Tarantino about it. So it's got crisp writing, you know, it's got, you know, fast paced scenes. It's everything, it, you know, it feels like you're watching Tarantino, but what it doesn't have is Tarantino behind the camera bloating everything. You know, mm-hmm. it's got a guy that makes action films making it. So, you know, there's, there's no, I don't think there's any part of it. I would cut out to, uh, to take away from it. I think every scene, is necessary, but no scene drags. I don't think mm-hmm. it. You know, it, 
personally, I think it's it's pretty close to a perfect film. I absolutely adore it, though, so I, I know there are plenty that disagree with me. What was it like seeing it on the big screen, though? Oh, was that... it was something special. Yeah. But, you know, it was it's a bit like when you see your, your favourite band for the first time and they do some of your favourite songs live. It's like a religious experience. Mm-hmm. It, it was just amazing. And like I said, I took me mate who'd, who'd never seen it on the big screen either. We just sat there like a pair of kids just staring at <laughs> the screen. It was spectacular. There's something about seeing classic films that you think, oh, I've seen it a million times. I mean, what am I going to get out of it on a big screen? But I saw Terminator on the big screen last last year, I think. Yeah, it must have been last year because of Terminator, Joy Noise Eyes. And uh, it, was, it was actually just spectacular watching it on a big screen there's just there's there is something about it isn't there oh yeah so we, saw, we saw the shining on the big screen a couple of years ago and I mean, that came out before either of us were born so mm. you know i've mm. never seen that on the big screen when it came out but to see it at the local cine world as well but it, it didn't matter you know big screen yeah. the shining mm. it was awesome and again you know top 10 film kubrick classic on the big screen nothing quite like it you know, and you know, I'll I'll never tire of you know. I've popped down to the PCC where I saw this. I've popped down there a couple of times. You know, just watch Fight Club because it's on, and it happens to be my favourite film. <laughs> Matter that I've seen it half a dozen times when it first came out. You know, it still looks great on the big screen. It's lovely. Okay, Callum, what have you seen this week? Hang on, hang on, hang on. I think I've cracked all the anagrams. Oh, oh. You've just been, like, ignoring the pair of us for the last five <laughs> No, 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 no. I've, I've, been, I've been listening. I've been listening. I'm actually refocusing my what I've been watching on the thing. Yes, got him, yes! Nice. <laughs> oh, okay, I don't feel dumb anymore. Right, um, anyways, <laughs> following on from Brooker's Tarantino thing with um, uh, True Romance there, um, I finally watched Glorious Bastards this week. Oh wow! Um, it's the, it was up to this point it was the only Tarantino film I hadn't seen, and I finally got round to watching it this week by having bought it on Blu-ray after spunking the rest of my student loan because I'm finished at university now. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, that's Inglorious Bastards is why I my eyes don't automatically roll out their skull whenever I see a Tarantino runtime that's over two and a half hours, which is basically all Tarantino runtimes. Oh, but you yeah, get the idea, like, like because like more than more than any um, Tarantino movie. Um, because it's kind of true for most of them. In Glorious Bastards, basically five big scenes, like five big, long, extended scenes, and then minor connected tissue between them and that there. But, um, like, I, but like more than like a cohesive, full-on, you know, story. Um, and yeah, it, and yeah it, it works. Yeah, at no point, despite the fact that, again, the movie is basically just five scenes for two and a half hours. Does it ever feel long like like long because every single scene is powered with this giant underlying tension running underneath but just you know it's all like turns and turns bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and louder and then way past what you think is the boiling point just keeps going and going and going and going like um of course one everybody goes to is the um bar scene obviously not that which feel which like you could technically be like 10 minutes instead of being nearly 30 that it actually runs for but because it actually just keeps going and going it just becomes more and more careful <coughs> further on it gets the longer it runs um and that like and that kind of appears throughout again it's the fact that also what amazes me is the way that it's not just like a hollow because it could just be like a hollow genre exercise like a chance for tarantino to stretch his legs and prove that he can make you know that he can make ten, like slow burning tension thrillers kind of way him up there 
But instead, every scene somehow somehow also managed to sneak in, you know, character work and fe- like you know, thematic work about you know, um, you know, Nazi hunting and World War and World War Two and the lines between right and wrong and mm-hmm. interracial relationships and male um, and male privilege and entitlement and all that stuff like that. In the like in such ways where you don't really notice it until you know it hits the finale and everything's going up in flames and you realize you're you know but, but actually you know what i did care about what's going on here even as it's devolving into ba- you know into base revenge fantasy thumbs up um kind of way which is the tarantino way admittedly even even the hateful eight which for the most part is basically tarantino ranting against having to make tarantino movies you know still can't resist kind of attempting to have a crowd-pleasing ending i mean but in any case, but, but and just like watching it, it was just amazing to me how well he was able to keep that tension running and that, and still be able to keep it feeling, you know, like emotional investment there instead of just being hollow genre exercises of watching a great director move things into place and prove that no, actually he can direct and write just as good, you know, like as great as without you know, just being plain old slash genre picture kind of thing. Um, I also really enjoyed the fact that I watched it and basically every but every great actor from the last like five years has turned up turns up in there. Like yeah, you know, Fastbender's in there, Daniel Bruhl's in there, um, Christoph Waltz obviously is in there as well. Um, I also really like Melanie Laurent as well. I kind of wish she was in more, you know, more, you know, more in English language films that people could pay attention to. So again, yeah, no, no, you know, I I really like Inglorious Bastards. Again, a film like that is why whenever I you know see like a hateful eight runtime of two hours and fifty odd minutes or whatever from that, there I don't I don't go oh dear god like I do with basically every other movie and especially superhero movies mm-hmm. nowadays. Is that again? Is it because? I mean, sometimes it can drag. Again, I do really like the hateful eight, but that first half could be a lot shorter, like twenty minutes shorter. Mm-hmm. At, at least but um yeah. yeah like but like in, but Basta still has that pace and that movement and that there and so and marriage and again it's really only 90 minutes of story but because it spreads its legs it's able to create this kind of tension this like you know like glued to the screen nature that there but you don't but, um it wouldn't have otherwise if it were a tighter short film again that's why and that's why tarantino is allowed to have basically free reign it's also coincidental, uh, probably not coincidentally, the last film, of course, edited by Sally Menk because until before her death in 2010, which probably explains a lot. Come to think of it, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I um, have only seen it once, and I remember starting off thinking it's. Uh, I wasn't as blown away by the opening scene with Christoph Waltz as I thought I was supposed to be. Do you know what I mean? Because there was a lot of hype about it. I watched it on DVD after it after it came. I did see it at the cinema, um, and it was it it was hyped up as this is the best scene in film ever. And I was like, it's just it's it's not, it it isn't. And then that put me on a bit of a sort of sour note for the rest of the film. And but it did pick up, and I really enjoyed it as it went towards the end and the big crescendo of just like just bizarre violence um, was. I think, I, I, right. I, I feel, I feel, well, A, well, A, I managed to watch Glorious Bastard, you know, like seven years after it came out and therefore, <laughs> yeah. and B, this is why you never, ever listen to hype about a Tarantino movie. Yeah. Like, like, never, like never, ever, because again, whilst Tarantino, I think is one of the few filmmakers who kind of does deserve, you know, constant praise. Um, yeah. People have a habit of going overboard on him, especially of course, if you take film studies courses at university. Yeah. <laughs> 
dissertations and essays about all Tarantino, all the, all the different ways of Pulp Fiction. You literally cannot examine Pulp Fiction in any other way anymore now. It, wow. it, it's been done by an academic in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but, you know, you know I, I really like it. And it also managed to actually make me like Eli Roth for two and a half hours until I remember that he's Eli Roth and I've gone back to hating him because he's Eli Roth. <laughs> okay. Uh, the film I have seen um, this week is I've gone for, with the the death of Muhammad Ali, I went back, I don't even think I'd seen this when it when it was released or, or since, it was Will Smith's um, in portrayal of Muhammad Ali in Ali. I think it is obviously, I think Will Smith does well in this to to portray Muhammad Ali and does does play the role quite well or, or essentially in this film do quite a, a good impression of Muhammad Ali. But the film itself, it is good, but it's not great. And I don't know if it's because so much happened in this guy's life it's quite hard. This, this film tries to, to to cover a lot of it. It doesn't focus on a doesn't seem to focus on a particular time. It tries to cover a, a great deal of it, and perhaps where that's that's where it falls short. It's trying to get too much in, and just doesn't quite get there. As I mean, anyone else seen this? I I was I was finding it quite yeah. hard to actually review it well because there was. I just didn't find it too much to say about it. I, uh, I think I thought the exact same thing when I saw it. I saw it, I think, it must have been when it came out. And I don't think I've watched it since. And I keep threatening to watch it again. But I just, I remember watching it thinking it's really, it's really unfocused and doesn't quite know which bit of the story it wants to tell. And spends far too, and obviously I know he was part of his life, but he spends far too much time focusing on Malcolm X and not on, Ali, which kind of bugs me. I mean, it's it's. I find biopics tend to work better when they focus on a smaller period of somebody's life rather than try and cover the whole whole thing. Life story. Yeah, I mean, just 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 another sporting one that that just sort of came into mind is um, the Damned United with Brian Mm Clough. It focuses mainly on his, his time at Leeds United but flashes back at different intervals to other parts of his career. Uh, and that works quite well because it's focused on a, a particular time, whereas this one is more broad and perhaps suffers for it. But it's not a takeaway from Will Smith because Will Smith is, is kind of a, a peak Smith. Oh, he's done very well as Ali. Yeah. I, I want Will Smith to appear in films again. I want Will Smith to appear in good films again. Well, yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I that, don't. But... I don't want him to be in After Earth and stuff like that. I don't want him to be in vehicles for his weird son. So yeah, I've I've realised I need to be better when it comes to um, like you know mentioning this because I uh, the other day I was actually wondering if you know what, I'd like to see Kelly McDonald in films again. I mean, I turned on Special Correspondence and there's Kelly McDonald being the <laughs> loving trust for Ricky Gervais. Well, Special yeah. Correspondence is a big steaming pile of wank. Yeah. It's like, it's like our last year, I kept thinking, you know what, I'd like to see Tim Roth in movies, please. And a couple of days later, <laughs> bam, United Passions drops there. Like, I should learn to be more specific now. Yeah. <laughs> already. Yeah, we'll, your, we'll... Is it your fault? I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's all, it's all specifically <laughs> my fault is why United Passions happened. I mean, Will, Will Smith is in Suicide Squad, and that could be good. I'm more encouraged by that than I am probably, about... Probably not. Probably not. It'll be, be good. Shut up. I want, to, <laughs> I want to be optimistic, but... 
but it's Warner Brothers and DC. What, what else? What else has he got planned? And he was good in Concussion. Yeah, right. he's, very, he's, he's very good in Concussion. Um, yeah, it's just nobody. It's just nobody saw Concussion. No. Yeah, that's not Will Smith's fault, though. Is it? No, but he. Yeah, it, that's you know, everybody else's. Unfortunately, he's, he's he's not won an Oscar. He's but he's he certainly when he plays roles like this or Concussion or Seven Pounds or The Pursuit of Happiness. He, he he's obviously a fantastic actor. And I think I mentioned this when we were doing our triple bill last week of, of movie stars. He's also very versatile. So he can do comedies or action or the more serious films that do go after Oscars. I mean, he's got he's got everything on his his CV from from Ali to Bad Boys to Men in Black and Wild Wild West. Mm. Couldn't get him back for Independence Day two though. No, but I think he's going to come back for Independence Day three. <laughs> is he? I reckon he, even though they killed off his character, I think they haven't killed off his character. That's just a cover up, and he'll be back in Independence Day three somehow. You think they actually shot him off in a rocket ship to the aliens Who to knows? do his little bit of a mole Pose, inside the, the, job? The mid credit stinger will be over. They've actually been cloning Will Smiths. Or yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. That's all it needs. That's what I call a close encounter, and then punching an alien in the face. The new Will Smith in it doesn't look very charismatic. Mm. He has not got the charisma. Hey, look, look, at least let's give Hollywood credit for for finding more than two black guys, like you know, in their, in their in their main cast of people. For once, they're trying. They're actually trying. Well, yeah, they've they've ticked some boxes, and I mean, you can't get more diverse in a film with some species from another planet in it. Uh, I've also just been binging on, on football films and documentaries because the European Championship starts on Friday, so it's my usual pre-tournament ritual of just watching everything I can do to do with football and then staying up to about four in the morning to watch Brazil play Haiti in the Copa America. You you do you, Steve. You do yeah. you. I bloody love football, I do. Mm, I'm really excited for the Euros. I just... I, I'm so... I'm a friend of mine... Uh, Paul Field, who not Paul Field, sorry, Paul Rutland, who I do front row with. Um, the other podcast comes out through Foul Critics. He has an exam on Thursday next week. It starts at two p.m. A two-hour exam. <laughs> What's happening at two p.m. on Thursday next week, Steve? England play Wales. They do. Yeah, he's gutted. I'm on. I'm on holiday for two the England's second two group games, and I'm trying to work out how I can best see them. But I, never mind if I don't. You're going to be living a real-life version of that Danny Dyer film. Yeah. <laughs> what was that called? Oh, I can't remember. I could If I got off my ass, I could go and get the DVD case, but I'm not going to. It's <laughs> yeah. not worth that. The other half. The other That's half. Yeah. yeah. That's what you're going to be doing yeah. on your holiday. No, she can doze off on the beach, and I'll find a way of streaming it on my tablet. Time now for us to review some new releases. Um, this week we're going to take a look at Alice Through the Looking Glass, uh, Warcraft and the Nice Guys. We'll start off with Alice Through the Looking Glass. Um, who has seen this? <laughs> what I have seen is just an email title that you've sent through to me, Steve. Because <laughs> 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 I've now got everybody's... Uh, <laughs> everybody's uh, anagram answers should I do them now before we move on to the new releases yeah as long as you can edit out all the kind of fucking about yeah yeah I've got your uh, email title here which is call now for bum sex <laughs> uh, well 
I'll bear that in mind, shall I? I just thought, you know, hopefully you'd forget to delete it and open your inbox at work and someone would see it. <laughs> well, of the seven answers that you sent through, one of them is wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't really care anymore. <laughs> but I have got uh, Callum and Brooker's answers um, and they've sent through all ten and they are correct. So, yay! Loses. Steve loses. Um, do you want to know the one you got wrong then, Steve? No, not really. We do. Okay, good. It was number 10, which was iron, which is, of course... Noir. Noir. What did Steve put it as? Nero. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't say it, was good. it could be French, did you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to tell the listeners what the um, answers were in the end? I'm going to, yeah. So, number one was teardrop, which was... Predator. Predator, yeah. Number two was anal hole wept. Lethal weapon. My three, day. yeah. Three was usable cyst tooth, and that was the last, last boy scout. Yeah. And number four was screw suit roll, which was Russell Crowe. Five inches your tug, which was the nice guys. Six gas ring only. Ryan Gosling. Seven was Gaming B. Irks, which was Kim Bur- Basinger, even. Or Basinger? Basinger or Basinger? Basinger. Basinger. Basinger, okay. And I've just noticed Steve even spelt that incorrectly on the email. <laughs> so, two S's. <laughs> that's the one I couldn't get. That's impressive that you got it, though, Steve, and then misspelled it. That's really, I'm really impressed. I want an extra S attention. in the anagram. Yeah. Uh, number eight was a sank belch, which was Shane Black. Number nine was Ah Kiddy TV, Keith David, and then as we established, ten was Noir. So, I guess that smashing well, success, better that way. Thank you very much. Uh, I guess all that leaves for me to do now is tell Steve what film he's going to be watching. Yeah. Uh, and you're gonna have to watch it. Because you're, you're not on the podcast next week, Steve, are you? Or the week after. Or the week after. So, we're going to have to try and figure out some way of getting you to watch this and review it. Well, before I could, then. Or, or I could just do it, like, by the next time I'm on. Uh, that gives you so... Okay, fine. Yeah, all right. It's uh, the do-over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the Adam Sandler one? It is. Yes. Oh, that's... The new, the new Adam Sandler... I'll tell you what, I'll take that. Because it won't be as bad as any of the stuff I made. It won't be as bad as Spice World. It won't be as bad as Kill Keith. And it won't be as bad as United Passions. I, I, I'll tell you this much, actually. It's not. It's more just incredibly fucking dull than anything um, else. So I will quite yeah. happily take a, a shit Adam Sandler film. This is like when a teacher sort of gives a kid, a, you know, a pupil detention. And he gets two weeks. Is that all you've got? So, Steve, do you want to write a review of it as well? Yeah, go on then. Keep going. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. You can you can put a written review on the website as yeah. well. Oh, can yeah. I ground you for longer? Exactly. <laughs> do you know what, though? I'm going to make the review really positive and praise the film and undermine the integrity of the no, website and no, podcast. No, you won't. No, you won't. I will, despite Owen. No, no, you'll, no you'll, you'll watch the movie and you'll be bored into a coma and then you'll just remember, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not even funny for a joke. 
<laughs> look again like like again like i've I, i've watched it it is incredibly like it's horrifically homophobic homophobic and ragingly misogynistic where the actual message of the film is literally all women are lying bitches or gold digging whores message of the film not what i think obviously you don't, you don't so, know how homophobic and yeah. misogynistic i actually am yeah and i <laughs> like, and, review. Yeah. Yeah, like and honestly at this point like it just like it did it did nothing for me. Like, I, I honestly think like, by this point of having done the exact same thing for 20 years, Adam Sandler movies now just bore me. It's like when you watch a, um, like when you, you know this guy, like, like if you know this guy who is, you know, the sexist, horrible person out there and you spend ages in your youth trying to, you know, tell them they're being terrible, trying to correct <laughs> every opportunity. And then, but, and then like after 20 years later, you meet the reunion and they're the same way, still, you know, trying to get attention about that. And you just think it's just sad now. Like, like, which one, like, which like, one are you in this story? Which uh, one were you? Were um, you the horrible, well, sexist person? Clearly the racist, homophobic. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm supporting Donald Trump, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Endorsed fully by the podcast. Every single member of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, shall we talk? Yeah, shall we talk? Shall we talk with somehow less interesting Alice through the Looking Glass? <laughs> Go on then, Alice in the Looking Glass, through the Looking Glass, <laughs> smashing the Looking Glass. Uh, I'm the only one who's seen this, aren't I? You are, yeah. But I'm looking forward to to seeing uh, how you describe it because the first one I remember was fucking dogs bollocks. It, it, so it was the first one is no, hang on, first... Owen, because you, I think you got that wrong there. Because dogs, oh yeah, dogs bollocks, bollocks is good. Dogs good. bollocks is good. It's not dogs bollocks. Yeah, it's dog shit. It's just, or it's just bollocks. It's cat, cat bollocks, man. Cat bollocks. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, no. But like the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland is the worst blockbuster of the entire decade so far. Just like, like the argument the same way like Batman and Robin was everything wrong with 90s blockbusters that way. Like uh, Alice Wonderland was everything wrong with late noughties, early to early tens blockbusters. Like just into this one awful 100 odd minute package of pure insufferable suck. It, um, yeah. Coincidentally as well, the first film I properly reviewed way back in the year 2010. Wow. So, yeah, you know, start starting me off on a film critic thing and now we come full circle as I finish university, move on to the next phase of my life. And oh, here's another Alice movie that nobody wanted. Nice, um, nice how these two films bookend your Yeah. Or they, they, they bookend my education my writing whilst I'm in education mm. lifestyle, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, new Alice in Wonderland. Tim Burton is out of the director's chair. In his place is James Bobin of Muppets, Muppets Most Wanted, and Flight for Concords. He deserves so much better. Um, so, yeah, this one takes place a couple of years after the last Alice in Wonderland, where Alice, played by Mia Wasikowska, who is failed by Hollywood, um, is now off as a ship's captain, you know, on, on, the, on the high seas, you know, going around... Ch- ch- uh, it's like, you know, I discover a businesswoman kind of thing about there. She returns back home to England to find Hamish, you know, the um, arsehole who was supposed to marry in the pointless wraparound stories for the last film that nobody gave a shit about, um, has taken over his um, her, father, her now dead father's shipping company and is trying to force her into a desk job under the threat of making her mother homeless if she does not. It is during this, whilst at a party, she ends up being lured back into Underland. Um... When she finds out that the Hatter, played by Johnny Depp, is not well. You see, he's he, he has managed to find a childhood um, icon of some significance there that his family used to own. His family who were killed several years ago by the Jabberwocky. And believing that this thing that should have been destroyed in the incident that there means that his family are still alive. And now he's basically throwing a sad hissy fit and dying be- like, because nobody else will believe him. And this sadness is causing him to die. 
So Al is not wishing to see the Hatter die because for some reason he's her best friend, despite no evidence in either of these movies proving that to be the case in the slightest. And also the Hatter being one, one of Johnny Depp's absolute worst creations. Um, decides to try and bring, decides to either find out what happened to Hatter's family or bring them back from the dead. To do this, she ends up stepping into the land of time, played by Sasha Baron Cohen, who is an awful actor. Let's just... <laughs> but he, 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 no, look, he, look, he's good as Borat or Bruno or Ali G. You know, you know, you know kind of like, you know, when he's like characters in essentially long improvised comedy sessions. But, um, <coughs> but he's not good as an actor. Like, give him words on a page written by other people, like full-on characters to play. And he's just terrible. Like, again, again, doing that Johnny Depp thing of ticks, affectations, funny, silly voices, but no heart, no soul there. It's just, he's a really bad actor. We need to stop casting him as an actor and things. Um, anyways, time is a he, and he is not exactly happy to allow Alice to, you know, travel back through time to see what happened. So she steals the chronosphere to try and travel back through time to find out what happened to the Hatter's family. The problem is, having done so, has now disrupted time throughout Underland. And every time, and every second she's a, that, chronos, that she's in that chronosphere, you know, jumping through time, the entire world of Underland is becoming heavily destabilized. And so time has to track her down, otherwise Underland will collapse in a, you know, like, into like, a, like a fucking folding star, and everybody will die. Our hero, ladies, our hero, ladies, gentlemen, and others. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's dreadfully dull. Mm. That, that's about it. It's just, it's really dreadfully. Like, there's basically no point for this movie to exist other than the incredibly wrong belief that because the last Alice movie made over $1 billion for some reason, that the world needs another Alice movie. Like in the same way Spectre existed because somebody believed that, oh, we made a billion dollars on the last Bond. I guess we need to make another one, but had no actual ideas or themes or anything of interest to power through the movie. It's kind of the same thing here. Um, what annoys me most about these movies, though, is that they're clearly trying to do feminist Alice. Like, like trying to do like a, a very feminist progressive outlet, you know, like lead actress, lead, um, lead Alice character, you know, who's strong, independent, tries to make her own decisions and leads away. But then undercuts it every, but then Linda Warburton's script, who also did the scripts for Maleficent, which was much better, and uh, Beauty and the Beast, which is also much better and somehow more feminist, uh, here at every opportunity. Like in the first one, essentially taking her agency away from her by doing a fucking chosen one prophecy storyline. Um, and then in this one, by essentially making Alice a complete imbecile. Uh, I, I get it, it, when like when time starts, you know, being stabilized and destroyed, kind of way up there. This is not in the case of her not understanding what she's done. She is actually fully aware and warned repeatedly that what she's doing is putting everybody else in danger, and yet she will still go ahead and continue to do all this nonsense anyway because. Our, our Alice is an imbecile, a reckless, a reckless, selfish imbecile who is trying, who ultimately ends up being proven right for re, for reasons of spoilers and won't be spoiled there. But essentially, again, is willing to essentially risk the entire world of Underland for this one horrible person who nobody likes, like like who nobody likes, and it's just the worst character. Again, Depp's Hatter is terrible. It's whenever anybody makes joke, you know, like makes likes to make jokes about Johnny Depp characters, you know, just being hot topic, uh, pushing merchandise with you know 
silly takes and affectations and no soul and silly hats and ridiculous makeup um this this is a, like a ur exam a full-on like like your text example of that here because the hatter is just a whole bunch of random quirks and silly affectations and out there with no soul in there just kind of depth trying out a whole bunch of nonsense and nobody telling him no um so like that's fair but, but yeah like alice is dumb the plot is like it's it's just kind of pointless there are, there are several trips back to the real world for some reason um and it's it's just really really dull and terribly acted and the world is not and it has no like inventive ideas for the world of underland or anything to make it lewis carolly which is which admittedly is hard to do as it is because lewis carroll's novels are incredibly hard to translate into you know anything outside of book book prose form but like there's still no real invention here there's nothing of interest there's no attempts to try and liven up the world um whereas tim burton's alice in wonderland was really drab gray bombed out almost like fucking chernobyl uh more anything else here bobin turns the contrast like turns it the other way so now everything is too garish too like high contrast too much of like an eyesore to look at with a whole load of garish uncomplimenting color schemes popping out after one another in this desperate attempt to try and course correct in this very very noticeable and bad way um and yeah and oh, oh and also there's um like honestly the only thing of interest i could say about it is that it has one moment where it reveals certain characters like a certain thing about certain characters that's almost on a par with the bit in also great and powerful that explains why the wicked witch is so bad like did did do any of you remember also great and powerful uh yeah i thought it was um decent I thought it was okay. I remember okay, James Franco. The Blu-ray out of the drives. Oh uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, you. Okay. Well, you. Okay. I'm going to dive into minor spoil into spoilers here for both of these movies real quick. Um, you remember why the Wicked Witch is wicked, right? Nope. No, I don't, don't really remember anything about it. I just remember yeah. thinking it was right. Okay. Right. Well, the Wicked Witch in Oz the Great and Powerful is wicked because James Franco cheated on her. So woman scorned and also maybe her sister poisoned her, except maybe not really. And but just like, again, it's, it's fucking awful, basically. Okay, so of course, the Wicked Witch, it turns wicked because she's a woman scorned. And, and just, I, I fucking hate woman scorned narrative tropes. I really do. Uh, and also a fucking James Franco of all people. J- James Franco to be angry at you would cheese off. You can, you can say about a fucking blessing more than anything else. <laughs> um, so anyways, here we find out how uh, the Red Queen and the White Queen came to be. You see, okay, the Red Queen has an obsession with tarts and an enlarged head because when they were younger, the White Queen stole some tarts ate them in her sister's room, put, caused crumbs that she pushed under the bed, and then when her parents, you know, discovered that, she blamed it on the Red Queen, who ran off, who ran off after being so thoroughly heartbroken that her sister would lie about things, tripped over in the snow bump, and bumped her head, which is why her head is so big. And then she turns extra nasty because Johnny Depp laughs at her at the coronation because her head is so big. Because once again... Johnny Depp's Mad Hatter is a horrible, horrible fucking person. That's it's 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 fucking con- it's so condescendingly, insultingly reductive an idea of just how petty and vindictive women are, essentially out there. And I I hate it. Like my eyes rolled out of their sockets when that happened in the film. It's just, but yeah, again, this again, other than that, this movie is just kind of 
boring. Again, it's there for 106 minutes or something like that. But again, it seems to exist for basically no reason other than the last one was a massive success. I guess we need to make more of these. And for me to essentially once again have to go, Mia Wasikowska is better than this, guys. Like, she she really is. She's actually a great actress, I promise you. Just go, go, you're in treatment. Go watch first season of In Treatment again. Go watch Stoker. Go watch Crimson Peak. Go watch fucking anything else with Mia Wasikowska in other than these movies because she's really bad here, but it's not her fault. Oh, and also, um, for those of you who are expecting it to be some kind of tribute to Alan Rickman because it's his last role, he is in it for exactly 34 seconds. So, yeah. Right, um... Next up, Warcraft, the movie based on the immensely popular MMMMORP. Nope, no, 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 based on the RTS series, Warcraft, nothing right. to do with World of Warcraft, completely different. Right, okay, someone explain to me without, without boring me. <laughs> Warcraft existed. Warcraft existed as an RTS game, you know, like Command and Conquer or, or Age of Empires. Or Age of Empires right. games before it was an MMO. So right. um there, I think there were three, weren't there? I definitely remember playing the first three. I don't know if there are more. Yeah, there were right. three. And yeah. the first one is called Humans versus Orcs. Or mm-hmm. Orcs versus Humans. One so I can't remember. Uh, and that pretty much more or less is where the story for the film comes from so what what's what's warhammer it's completely <laughs> something completely different okay yeah. <laughs> right let's hope let's hope no nerds are listening to this steve otherwise you're going to be fucking crucified by your balls we all so steve, are if anyone's listening to yeah so steve steve star star wars that's the one with captain picard right well no come on I mean, that's, that's essentially not, what you just that's, did that's not anything like that because star it wars really and, is star yeah. wars and star trek are immensely popular not just to nerds actually no no, no it's more like but, it's more so, like saying but, so, it's, it's more but, like saying star wars is the form of star buck in it right <laughs> like that, that's basically what you did just there. No, because Star Wars and Star Trek are immensely popular and transcend just nerds. It's like everyone knows it's cultural phenomenons. Both people, people just general, normal people, different Steve, know about Steve, it. Steve, Steve, let it go. Let Warhammer, it go. Warhammer, all people think, if they're not into Warhammer, all it thinks is people getting together in a little shop and moving some figures around that they painted themselves. Steve, Steve, let it go. Stop alienating the listeners. Move I'm on. not alienating. all into trouble. Yeah, move on, I, move, move on. Somebody talk about Warcraft the movie, please. My Twitter handle is at failed Steve, and I welcome the abuse. <laughs> he gets he gets that. off on it. His safe word is Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So Warcraft the movie. Who's seen it? What do we think of it? Go. I've seen it. Yeah. I saw saw it. it came. I mean, technically, I suppose it came out Bank Holiday weekend, right? Because it was on the yeah. Monday. Yeah, because yeah. all films came out on the Monday because it was half term. I don't know why mm-hmm. they didn't all open on the Friday since, I mean, it's not like Alice was tearing the box office a new one, was it? But <laughs> there we go. Uh, five, five days extra to add to the weekend opening box office numbers. Yes, mm. which I mean, Universal are going to desperately want because this thing is going to do badly. <laughs> it's going to do terrible. It's really fucking tedious, isn't it? Just, I, I mean, I was half asleep at one point. To the point where I thought, you know what, I'm so tired. I'm just going to close my eyes for a you second. I, I had such a laugh when I went to see this film. So I, because my bank holiday weekend was so fucking busy, I actually forced myself to go to the midnight screening up the road. Just because mm. it was the only time I could squeeze in time to watch it and then review it before the weekend was done. 
and the fucking uber nerds in this fucking place. I <laughs> tell you what, I I said this at the time as so, well. You know, I I wanted to be. I don't really rag on Warcraft fans or game fans at all because I am one. And but can you, these, can you just mention your Twitter handle before you carry on? <laughs> send all your abuse to at Brooker four one one. I have had it all. It does not bother me in the slightest. I I guarantee you I took far more shit over my Hardcore Henry review. Oh, yeah. I took a lot of crap over that. Anyways. These... Yeah, War- Warcraft and the Hardcore Henry are shit. I actually send, uh, share a uh, Twitter handle with Steve, at Failed Steve. That's where you can reach me. <laughs> <laughs> so, But these fucking... And my favourite bit, and, you know, there will be a few people that get why I laughed my ass off. When we sat... The film was just starting. And, of course, someone has paid an awful lot of money to put certain adverts in front of this film. One of those was the trailer for Assassin's Creed, (laughs) which very quickly, half of this packed cinema booed (laughs) and yelled, I swear to God, why would I watch a film based on a game that hasn't changed in seven years? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I was like, you motherfucker, like, we're like, watching like a film based on a game that hasn't changed in 20. You mean like in a, like in a collective echo, just like 100 nerds collectively shouting out that exact same sentence. More exact or same. less. It was <laughs> gorgeous. Oh, you bunch of cunts. <laughs> and then, and after my favourite bit, because this even made me fucking roll my eyes and laugh and almost boo all at the same time. Someone thought it was an awesome idea to spend a fortune after the ads were done and the trailers were done. Right before the certificate, we got the fucking Clash of Kings advert. Yeah, I did. Uh, Like any motherfucker in that cinema was going to go, oh yeah, I like World of Warcraft. Let's play a mobile RPG. Ugh. Imbeciles. I like how, I like how you all I like how you both are desperately trying to keep the conversation away from the film itself here. As, as well. <laughs> no, I'm, it, I just thought it was funny. It was. No, it was these funny. Fucking, yeah. These fucking idiots, and yeah, all of them like in their fucking Warcraft T-shirts and Blizzard sweatshirts, all walking in, all looking like they dragged themselves away from their PCs for a couple of hours to go watch this film. They were gone by the time the, the credits started rolling. Like I was the last person out of the cinema, and I was pretty quick out of my chair. I I, I was in a pack screening where actually behind me there was a parent with their children who were like five or six who went wow the very the very first time an orc came on and were audibly sobbing at multiple points of hardcore murder because the twelve <laughs> rating is officially a fucking joke now. Quite frankly, <laughs> I've got some awesome stories about the twelve A rating as well. Not for Warcraft, but for other films that just. Made me yeah. cringe and laugh. I was going to say, honestly, a bit, a, a this, considering this past year, like between this X Men, 10 Cloverfield Lane, and that, the 12.08 08 is a fucking joke now. It Brooker, really is. Brooker, should we just hear your stories about the 12A rating rather than review Warcraft? <laughs> well, I'll do a really quick one then, right? So, we quite a few years ago, don't judge me for going to watch it. It was like a Saturday afternoon. We were bored and there was nothing on. So, me and the missus went to see four Christmases. With Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was fucking ghastly. And I will be the first person to say, I really wish I'd taken a spoon with me to take my eyes out while I was watching it. <laughs> but the fact was, there was a woman sitting next to me with her kid, her four, five-year-old kid, no more than five. And I looked at this woman as there's grannies making blowjob jokes on the screen. 
and I'm looking at this woman horrified that you've let your four-year-old watch this fucking thing. I just, I laughed in her face as this mm. woman kind of had this look on, look as if to go, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't be here. Yeah, I literally, I get... I'd done all but go, da, <laughs> in her oh, face. Oh yeah, I get that massive of when absolutely anything came out and I was in a screening full of families who brought their kids because they thought it was going to be a family <laughs> comment and then big dick jokes, lots of references of the word fuck and it was like, you idiots. <laughs> Remember the, the Blu-ray was rated 15 until they realised what they'd done. Anyways, uh, yeah. Warcraft. I'm going to be that guy. I actually really liked this movie. Really? Really? I had I had a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. But look, maybe, maybe it's a fact, but I've sat through a lot of, first off, absolute shit, and then a lot of just mediocre eh, slop for the past year now. Like 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 the like the Hollywood movie landscape, right? Yeah, like, but like the Hollywood movie landscape recently has just been absolutely awful, and this year appears to be the time where the chickens are really coming home to roost. Especially since, uh, oh, what do you know? The box office is kind of doing quite shit at the moment. Um, right, right, to so to sit down and watch Warcraft, which is an utterly ridiculous and incredibly silly movie. <laughs> that takes itself so seriously, I, I just couldn't help but have a load of fun. I mean, is it a good movie? Fucking hell, no, it is not. Like, it, it's a it's a terrible movie. Um, like, again, it's clearly, it's clearly, like, even before I found out that it's had, like, 30, 40 minutes chopped out of it by the studio, who, again, are trying to murder this movie to death, um, I, w- I already could tell that this movie had been cut down. Um, uh, like, you know, having so much cut down where basically the first 40 minutes or so are nearly incomprehensible mm-hmm. um even with the fact that the human side on basically all forms with a possible exception of paula Patton, is just atrociously acted and even with the fact that it's clearly re- overly relying on sequels that are never ever ever going to get made to properly tell its story and again even with the fact that it is so incredibly self-serious over its law like like it's very obvious blizzard was sat over overseeing every bit of its movie and like our law is amazing and brilliant and everybody needs to know exactly how brilliant it is and there's gonna be no room for jokes or silliness or anything of that kind and i just had the most fun quite frankly because like duncan jones who in some films director and co-writer mm-hmm. we keep seeming to forget to mention that um like it is has, has arguably never been great with story like like even on moon um like the story is not really what makes moon great but what he is good at is this kind of cohesive unique feel and tone which like like where you sit down and watch it and you feel like this is a movie that honestly couldn't really have come from anybody else and that's what i get from warcraft is that it's clearly been made by a fan i mean somebody's a bit too much of a fan which is its own problem really and why the film can't and why the film is honestly again not a particularly good film but i sat watching it, i could feel like a personal feel to it like again like maybe like this feel that it's really like very little else that hollywood cinema is trying to do right now for better and for better and worse but like there and as i watched that essentially watching two and a bit hours of a film trying to shove like law down my throat like like hundreds of pages of law right down my throat just forcing it down there like we're not gonna have characters we're not really gonna have arcs we're just gonna shove you all this law right here take it take it you bitch um but like I, and watching ridiculously silly special effects, like having Ben Foster spend like five minutes of screen of every set piece, just having to chant one spell in very very slowly, and having incredibly terrible looking CGI lightning come out of it. But I I just had fun. Like it's incredibly silly, and I 
I honestly will always take, I will always prefer a single, like a singularly minded, singular vision, silly failure than a homogenous, miserable, average bucket of slop, quite frankly. Because again, Warcraft is not a good movie. I, I feel like I need to stress you. But I sat there and I had fun because it is so utterly silly. It's kind of. It, I think it wasn't really silly enough. It, it was. It, it definitely took itself far too seriously. And for me, these kind of uh, movies, these fantasy adventure films, they've either got to be um, great at world building. They've really got to transfer you to that place, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, for mm. example. I know it's an unfair comparison in terms of the scope and the budget and all that kind of stuff, but. Oh, really? Well, I think possibly is. I mean, the Lord of the Rings. Well, I mean, films, terms, I mean there were terms, three movies that ended up being like three hours each, right? So I was gonna say, I mean, in terms of like quality and um, yeah, and, and you know, like class level and that there, it's like comparing in like football terms, like Manchester United to Scunthorpe United or whatever. Yeah, bear, yeah. But, you know. but so they're both in the same game, but they're, they're miles apart, really. Yeah. But so there was like, it either has to do something like that. Or it goes a completely different route and ends up like something like Willow or uh, the Dark Crystal, which is just like it's just a fun place to be. It's fun to be around these characters. It's it's okay. It's not the most well put together film, but you just enjoy the experience of seeing this sort of uh, creativity, this imagination. And I didn't get any of that at all from Warcraft. I just thought it was so fucking dreary. It went on for so long. The actors, as you mentioned, were all just... Te- I don't know why Dominic Cooper was in the... Well, obviously, I know... He was, well, apparently, Dominic Cooper is going to be in video game movies now to the end of time. He's been all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I just, like... It, it's, yeah, it's too good for something like this, really. No, no he, he really is. He's not. No, he's not. Dominic Cooper's great. Dominic Cooper is really a good actor. He should not be playing King Boring Pants in a... Warcraft movie. To be fair, I said the same thing about Travis Fimmel. I love him in Vikings and then saw him in this and went, yeah, you're kind of shit. <laughs> Let, let's not do this anymore. Yeah. Especially since I've not really seen Dominic Cooper be great in anything other than Captain America. History Boys? Oh, right. Yeah. So, no, History Boys. You should watch that if you haven't already. Okay, then. But yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, he really should have been, shouldn't have been in this. In fact, aside from just having generic king guy, you, you didn't need a name in that role. It was just, yeah. it, it, it I, was I, just yeah. appalling. I, I, I honestly preferred the orc side to the human side as well. It sort of reminded me of a bit of um, recent Planet of the Apes movies, where the ape side is vastly more interesting than the, like than the um than the you know yeah. standard um the human side as well. Only you know, except for the fact that there's a unlike in the Planet of the Apes side where the human side is obviously lesser to the apes, but not you know bad. Mm-hmm. This one is, uh, but like the orc side was really good, and I enjoyed. You know, and again, I liked the um, designs, the CG map there. And this is by the way is all coming from somebody who has never played Warcraft in his life, and therefore could not give a shit about any yeah. idea of Warcraft. But again, again, I, I just, I can't really explain it. I just had fun. I thought it was really silly, and and just, and I just enjoyed it. And then two hours later, I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, and really enjoyed that as well. So maybe I just can. Completely taken leave of my senses. Maybe well, that's what's happened here. I did, the, I did the same thing. I watched them back to back, those two films. And Warcraft almost put me to sleep. And then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 film was like, oh, it's okay. That was all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on to our final film that we're going to review then, which is the Nice Guys, the Shane Black film starring 
Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Um, I really wanted to see this, but I haven't been able to. So can you not, not spoil it for me while talking about it? <laughs> it's good, Steve. There it's we go. Good That'll film. do. Good night, everyone. It's, Podcast yeah. done. It, it, is the, it is the most Shane Black movie to ever Shane Black its way into a cinema. This, you, this you might, you might... If you've seen any other Shane Black film, you've already spoiled it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you might be wondering how much more Shane Black a Shane Black movie could be, and the answer is none. None more Shane Black. This is mm-hmm. the, it's got um, it's yeah it's noir. It's a buddy cop movie. It's got um you know it, one of them sli- oh, slightly world weary grizzled guy. The other ones you know a bit spunky. And loose cannony. There is a precocious child running about the place who happens to be smarter than everybody else. Um, there is a ridiculously convoluted conspiracy for no particular reason. There is a, there is a scene set at Christmas at the end of the movie to make it qualify for being a Shane Black Christmas movie. And the second I realised that it, that was exactly what he did, I laughed like a maniac. <laughs> um, yeah, again, it's yeah, again, it's it's just it's just a really enjoyable movie. I I, I honestly, I genuinely don't have anything else to say. It's it's kind of boring how good the movie is. yeah i came out of it the first time i watched it twice i watched it twice at the cinema and the first time i came out thinking can we just get shane black to do all the movies from yeah. now on just get him doing all of the films for the yeah. rest of time can we get him doing more of the nice guys just put him back onto the blockbusters iron man 3 was really good just let him do all yeah. of those from now on let's just get him doing either those and well those and doing some more buddy cop yeah with their actual cop uh yeah films either writing i don't mind if he's just going to write them and we can get tony well not tony scott but someone else of a similar caliber to come along and direct them doesn't matter i just want more of these characters these this dialogue this uh humor these interaction between the two between characters i just think it was just really really good proper fun yeah yeah it's basically it's just good in this kind of boring boring way not not like not boring when you're watching obviously like when you're watching you think yeah this is a really really good film i'm really enjoying this but like in terms of talking and criticism there's really not much to say it's just a really 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 entertaining shane black movie yeah film that you love because you love it because it's great and you don't need to hear anything else I mean, I wouldn't say I love it. It's kind of, it's not left a, it's not like left a massive mark on me or anything like that. But I, like, when, as I was watching it, I was sat there basically thinking of more movies need to be like Shane Black, or very least like more movies need to be better in their vision and creative driven manners that Shane Black movies are. Anyway, that there. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just really good. There's really not much more to say about it. The performances are great. Crow and Gosling have great chemistry. But yeah, like Angry uh, Angry Rice, um, who played the child, was really good, um, which is amazing because, you know, me and child actors normally do not get along. Um, it was really, really funny. Managed to keep up. It managed to keep up a comedy even as the plot crept in, which is a problem most comedies have, where the jokes just kind of fade away in the third act in favor of, you know, plot. Um, most egregiously in Let's Be Cops a couple of years back, where the first two thirds were supposedly a comedy. I mean, it wasn't funny, but it was trying to be a comedy, and then the last third was just a bad end of watch ripoff. Um, but. Yeah, again, it's just, it's just really, it's just a really good Shane Black movie. Um, go watch it. Okay, anyone got uh, anything to add on that? No, not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean that basically it, it does. Yeah, it says everything you need yeah. to know about the film. It's a good Shane Black film. Yeah. If you like Shane Black, you will like this. Really, that's oh. it. And if you've never seen any Shane Black film, this is a probably this is probably the best to start with. Even. Yeah. Oh, oh also, I would play that. Oh, 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 oh would you, are you saying Kiss Kiss Bang Bang's better one start? No, I'm saying uh, for writing, Last Boy Scout. Yeah, Last Boy Scout is my favourite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, all of them are great, like Lethal Weapon, 
Last yeah. Boy Scout, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But I watched Last Boy Scout recently, and every hit in the script is perfect. I <laughs> I can't fault that film at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, um, in which let's quickly run out the time here by mentioning um, if you are one of our American listeners if we have any American listeners, um, I'd just like to say, um, you are now all officially banned from moaning about the state of Hollywood, about it being remakes, sequels, <laughs> etc. and that there. Like, no, you've, you've all lost your opportunity because Hail Caesar, bomb. Keanu, bomb. Nice Guys, bomb. Popstar just made $8 million opening weekend here. You've been given plenty of opportunities to watch good, clever, original movies this past year, and you've, like, so far this year, and you've ignored them all now. So you've, you've, you've essentially brought the future of me, of mediocre to terrible X-Men movies here onto, on yourselves right now. You, yeah. Like, you, 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 brought, you, you brought the future on yourselves <laughs> here by now. That's it now. I, I, I have no pity for you anymore. I mean, I wish you'd actually gone to see these movies, so I could have been spared having to see them in the future. But again, otherwise now, again, you've got this on yourself. You've lost it now. You should have seen the nice guys. Fuck you, America. <laughs> and uh, on that bombshell. You can, you can, you can, you can send your... Steve. And I'm <laughs> um, Well, that, that's the nice guys and our new release, releases. Releases. Uh, completed for this week. All we've got left is some recommendations for you, Callum, um, what's yours? I haven't got one right now, so come back to me in a few minutes. <laughs> okay, um, Brooker. Uh, so I'll recommend one that I think Paul recommended it a little while ago when it first came out. It went onto Amazon Prime last week. It's a little indie comedy horror thing called Nina Forever. Uh, Hold on a second, Steve. Something's happened to your mic. How do you mean? Uh, it sounded like you were it. <laughs> Right. Is it okay now? Yeah, do you want to ask Brooker his uh, recommendation again? Didn't I just ask Brooker? Okay. Yeah, but we couldn't yeah. hear it. Sorry, and then you just tried to snore your mic. Okay, Brooker, what, what are you recommending? <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going to recommend a film that Paul recommended a little while ago when it first came out. Went on to Amazon Prime last week. little British indie horror comedy called Nina Forever. It's an awesome little flick. I really okay. recommend it. Owen? Um, I don't know whether we're going to have crossover on this, Steve, but on Saturday night, 11.40pm, film four. No? Not ringing a bell? No, I've not gone with television. Okay, well, it's Nick Loves the Football Factory, starring Danny Dyer. No, it's, not, it's not for me. I'm not into the hooliganism films. Yeah. No. Oh, well. I, Escape to Victory, Mike Bassett, England Manager, all day. The hooliganism ones don't do anything for me. I think there's something a bit more to the football factory than just hooliganism. It is, it is better than the others. I mean, it's better than Elijah Wood being a fucking football hooligan. Yeah. Which is which is the most awful miscast, since, you know, ever. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Ricky Gervais as a middling nerd, nice guy is like supposedly likable. Down is look nice guy who's abused by women all the time. That that feels more miscasting, quite frankly. Yeah. But the thing about the football factory is that it's... I mean, yeah, it tries to say, look, this the fighting element, he gets on with it. It's what he does. He enjoys it. He is a hooligan. But there's there's a bit more complexity. In, anyway, fuck it. I'm not going to carry on about it. The football factory is on 11.40pm Saturday night, film four. It's also, by the way, I happen to notice, followed by a film called R100, which is one of the most surreal, bizarre unintelligible Japanese films I've ever seen. Tentacle porn everywhere. 
Not far off. Yeah. Not far off. Um, I'm going to go for Netflix, and they have added recently Red Dawn, the original. <laughs> God. I like Red Dawn. <laughs> it's all right. There's not a lot on Netflix been added recently, mind. <laughs> no. You got really. scraping the barrel a bit. Yeah. And Callum? Uh, I couldn't find anything either. So do you know what? I am gonna plug the Peanuts movie, which is out on DVD and Blu-ray now. It's uh, it's it's pretty great. Just okay. Think that, out there. that is all for this week's podcast. I'm off for me holidays. So next week, Owen's gonna be joined by Paul Field, who'll be in the host's chair. Yeah, and Liam will be our guest returning. Yeah. He hasn't been on for a while, actually, not since earlier in the year. So it'd be good to get Liam back. And uh, I think. I can't remember what the new releases are, but I know that The Conjuring oh, 2. The, bo- the Boss and oh, Mother's the Day. Boss and Mother's Day. There we go. Conjuring 2 is con- yeah, Conjuring 2 is not for another week. Is it not? I thought it was the 10th. In America, it's the 10th. It's oh, week. well, there we go. Don't we get oh. it on the Monday? Don't we get it like Monday the 13th? Well, there you go. I may see it before the podcast after all. Okay, well, thank you all for listening. Uh, the website's www.failcritics.com and we'll see you all next week. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.